right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm waiting. All right, I think we are live, everybody. Welcome, my name is Luke Thomas. This is my UFC 236 post-fight live. If you do not wish to have spoilers for UFC 236, now is your chance to get out of here. Thank you so much for watching. Let us get this going. All right, as I mentioned, UFC 236, excuse me, post-fight um, special right here on my YouTube channel. You can see how this is going to go. Let's see. I got to figure out which hand is which. So you can subscribe to the channel now. Please do that. I am well on my way in a number of respects for uh, my growth opportunities for this channel. But subscribers is a big component of the future of it. And so any uh, help you can provide in subscribing, of course, is always appreciated. So I appreciate that when you do. And then, of course, if you want to get a question answered, donate in the Super Chat. That's the place to do it right there. Um, you leave a dollar. You can leave 50 cents. Whatever it allows you to leave, doesn't. it's, the, it's not the amount that matters uh, in terms of uh, one versus 100. It's just anything you put in there, uh, and I will answer it. All that money in there, by the way, goes towards technical upgrades. You might notice, though, that the camera quality is a bit of a downgrade. It's because I can't use my uh, Sony... Uh, a7 III because literally my dog ate the cord <laughs> the HDMI to mini HDMI that goes to this so I have to use my Canon today I apologize for that but um, here we are so thank you so much for joining me I really appreciate it as I mentioned please subscribe to the channel like the video the whole nine. Oh my god uh, let's talk about UFC 236 okay think I need a cigarette um that was I don't even smoke and I think I need a cigarette that was crazy that was crazy that was crazy that was one of the best main and co-main event pairs that I've seen in some time and I would say the co-main event was better than the main event although the main event was pretty great but um that co-main event was something really really special now I'll get to that in a second but we got to start with that main event it was after all the one that headlined the card but let me just say something generally about elite MMA. I, I have seen some debates online recently that um, modern MMA is not as fun as it used to be or that fights used to be better when you would have somebody being able to take advantage of like an obvious weakness. So you'd have like a great grappler versus a great striker. Like, you know, 2004, 5, 6 era MMA. And to be sure, it was fun when guys can exact offense on the other. Um, but I wholly reject that entire argument. I don't agree with that even a little bit. There is nothing like elite MMA, and there is nothing like modern elite MMA. And those four fighters and those two fights were about as strong as an argument as anyone could possibly make. And what you actually see is that there's a kernel of truth to the idea that it's fun when people can take advantage of the other's weaknesses. Kelvin Gastelum gave Israel Adesanya everything he could handle in the striking department. Max Holloway, in many ways, gave Dustin Poirier, if not everything he could handle, certainly a very tough time. You heard Dustin Poirier even note in that third round he was in a bit of trouble there and had to just sort of gut his way out um, from that morass that he was in. So yes, 
it is true that um, landing successful offense is what really drives us. And then the, 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 the back and the forth and the weaving of the narrative and the ups and the downs and this crescendo that you had in the fifth round without Asanya and so forth. Yes, those things are all true, but the difference is that MMA has never been better in terms of the quality of fights. The things that these guys have to be good at to exact offense on the other guy is so extraordinary and so difficult and so impactful because they find the narrowest of windows upon which to land brutal shots and that these guys have to show not merely guts, but then requisite technique to fight their way through various scenarios. Tonight was a better recitation on why elite MMA has no peer in sports um, than anyone could ever write. Chuck Mendenhall is as talented a human writer can be in sports, and I don't know that even he could do that kind of thing justice in terms of what what you feel when you watch that. That was worth every penny and then some. And let me say this. I don't know what kind of check is going to get or Gastelum's going to get or Dustin Poirier's going to get or Max Holloway's going to get. When it's all said and done, let's see what the pay-per-view numbers end up being, if we have even have access to them as a public, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But let me just say this. If those guys, each of them, are not getting million-dollar paydays, then it is a fucking crime, man. Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway, Israel Adesanya, and Kelvin Gastelum left a piece of themselves in that octagon tonight. They deserve to be, and all of them always do, but in particular tonight, they deserve to be compensated for that. They deserve to be honored for that sacrifice on the altar of athletic excellence. They deserve to be compensated for their athletic excellence. They deserve to be compensated because you just can't get much better than that. That is about the best you're going to find when it comes to finding the toughest fuckers around who are incredibly athletic, dogged, and determined, talented, well-trained, well-schooled, prepared, locked in, dialed in for competition, and every other superlative I could possibly heap on them. If they're not making... If they're not making each million, multi-million dollar paydays, something is wrong. Something is broken. Those men deserve to be honored tonight. And not merely with my words or your praise or applause or a general feeling of greatness with a dollar sign and several, several zeros behind the one, man. That is, that is just the reality here. That was an in incredible display of modern mixed martial arts why i love it why you guys probably love it and why we devote ourselves at 1 30 in the morning to doing this kind of thing i take my hat off all right so let's start with that uh main event shall we ufc 236's main event um let's see of course ufc 236 took place at the state farm arena in atlanta georgia where I, your boy went to high school Dustin Poirier defeating Max Holloway. Here are the scores. 49-46, 49-46, and then 49-46. I wasn't exactly scoring it in real time. I was scoring the, the, the co-main event much more closely. But the main event, after Dustin kind of got out to a bit of an early lead, I was sort of seeing where Max would make a comeback. Maybe it was that third round where he made a bit of a comeback. 
So many differences in this one. Uh, okay, what do you want to say? Both Now, Poirier won the contest. Gastelum didn't. But what you can say about both is that Poirier and Gastelum had really strong game plans. They knew their opposition very well. Adesanya kind of approached the fight in a way that he sort of always does. Same with Max Holloway. Gastelum was a bit different. And Poirier, I don't know that he was as different, but his timing on his check hook was phenomenal. He just found openings for Max coming in straight, trying to throw, um, trying to throw punches. Here is the uh, here is what I noticed, and, and I watched this in real time like you guys did. When Max hit Dustin, it would make an impact, especially if it had you know this there were, you know a, a numerically accumulative effect. But what was sort of different for me was when Dustin touched Max, he would move Max. Max would move with it like a car crash, man. There was like real impact with it. And so what's kind of funny is if you go back and you watch Max's fights at, at featherweight, I'm not saying he had the same effect that Poirier had on him, but the whole idea behind Max's game is, yes, there's a lot of trickery to it. If you watch the Monday Morning Analyst when I was talking about some of the overlap with Hagler where he's you know uh, jabbing you into a corner uh, or at least into an angle where he can land a heavier punch, you saw that. The stance switching effortlessly where he drives into you. You exit at an angle either way, and he catches you by switching. So he comes in this way. You exit to your – you know. so he's coming in um, um, southpaw. You exit. He switches to orthodox and then catches you or catches you, depending on the position or the opposite. There was a bunch of that. But the difference is that when he does that at featherweight, it hurts guys. They feel it, right? Like they get up. They, they move in a similar kind of way into, to which Max moved. Not, the, not identically, but – and so what that causes is bad reactions and then bad reactions compound bad reactions and compound bad reactions and he just builds upon it and then all that trickery comes into play he tried to do a bunch of that but he could just never he could never pull Dustin Poirier except for little sort of pieces of the third round into a position where he was making bad choices again not every choice that Dustin made was great but the point being is, generally speaking, he was dialed in, locked in, sticking with the game plan, finding counter strikes. Max didn't move his head a lot in this fight. Dustin was finding it all the time. Not really with the check right hook, but the left straight down the middle. Not a lot of uppercuts from either guys. You saw a couple of them, but they never got quite close enough for it. But Max was getting torn up on the clinch break. And, and the point being is, ha uh, Ortega would land some of those, but it wouldn't have necessarily the same effect. But when Dustin hit him, dude, it was it was Thor Stormbreaker just coming down on him, and he had a hard time dealing with it as you as you saw. Um, so it was sort of a two way street. The punches were heavier, and then the kind of thing that he does, which is hurt you with the offense, build towards something. He couldn't build because the guys weren't getting hurt enough to make bad choices. They were constantly, in this case, Poirier firing back. They were constantly catching him with the check hook. So he'd build to a little bit, and then it would stop. And then he'd build to a little bit, and then it would stop. And it would repeat this process over. Meantime, he's taking huge shots over and over again. I will say this. That is a valiant performance for Max Holloway, man. To take those kinds of punches, to move up a weight class like that. And I'll say this. You know, a lot of times in MMA, we're like, well, how much do weight classes matter? Where a guy comes up a weight class and then smokes the champion. McGregor beating Alvarez. DC beating Stipe. Amanda Nunes beating Cyborg, and on and on and on and on. The Dillashaw one going down a weight class was a bit different for all the reasons that, you know, the whole Dillashaw thing. But also, just forget all that, he was going down a weight class, so it's not the same. But the people coming up, they were just smoking everybody, right? 
And it goes to show you, like, this is why in boxing, like, going up a weight class is a big deal because, man, the punches are heavier <laughs> up a weight class. Dude, Dustin Poirier can thump. Dustin Poirier can thump. And it's not just the, the power is big. You know, he marries it with just – think about the criticisms of Dustin Poirier, right? Bef not before this fight, but, like, in his career whenever he's had setbacks. It was that he didn't have in-fight discipline and that he had bad cardio. Those were sort of, I mean, there, there may have been other criticisms, but those were the two biggest ones. So that he would just brawl when he wasn't good enough, and or that he had a bad gas tank. What did you see from this fight? He had a good gas tank, and he made good decisions, and he didn't, he brawled a little bit, right, here and there, but who brawled more, him or Max? Right, Max was the one trying to goad the brawls a little bit more. Um, and Poirier was not. Poirier was the one who was out there trying to, sort of reason through everything and land a big shot. And again, he had moments where he was not doing that or when he was hurt. But I would say the general tenor was that. Here was a guy who, I think I tweeted it out. Let me see if I can find the tweet. Um, I had tweeted it out. Let's see. Oops, oops, I should tweet this out live now. Boop. I don't think I did that. There we go. All right. Um, this is a guy who was defeated by Danny Castillo, Chan Sung Jung, Cub Swanson, Conor McGregor, and Michael Johnson. And, of course, he had the no contest to Eddie Alvarez. This was a guy who had had setbacks, and every time, man, it pushed him back in the line. It pushed him back in the line. And you begin to get a feeling that he was like, well, he's very, very good, but is he like championship material good? Is he gatekeeper good? Where is he? The dude just decided at some point, I've got to recognize these weaknesses. I've got to address them. I've got to do something about them. And he did. And he did. His cardio looked very good in this fight. 25 minutes. Again, part of having good cardio is judicious shot selection and how to pursue a fight. But okay, he showed that. That's also part of not brawling. It's also part of not making bad choices. He just had a mature, veteran, clever, well-researched fight um, uh, game plan. I have to go back and look at some of the specifics about what he was doing. To me, uh, again... Um, it looked like he was taking a lot of advantage of the lack of Max's head movement. It looked to me like he was, you know, Max does this thing where some guys, let me pull up this thing so I can see myself here a little bit. Um, one of the weaknesses in Max's game, if I can, if somebody who's like watched a lot of tape on it, is some guys stand here, right? Where like they're looking at you like this or through their, almost through their fingers a little bit, right over the top of their gloves. What does Max do a little bit? Max comes out. And he does this kind of thing. You ever seen that? He sort of floats his hands a little bit. They're away from his face. So those big, powerful hooks of Dustin Poirier, if you can catch him on the right timing, if you can find a way to set them up, if you can get the right angle, you know, they can be quite effective. A linear punch is good, too, and you saw plenty of those. When I say linear, I mean sort of straight on down the line. But the hooks are, can, be, can be good for him. And, again, if you can move him with the punches because your power is so good um, – you, you know, you saw the results there. What a performance from Dustin Poirier. And even in the last minute, you know, last two minutes, tying him up in the clinch, uh, trying to take him down. I thought Max Holloway's takedown defense was phenomenal in this. But to me, I think the major thing I took away from this was I do think Max has a future at lightweight, um, and I'm not a strength and conditioning coach. So I'm going to use this term in a broad way, but he needs to be in the weight room. Now, by that I mean, I'm not saying he has to go do powerlifting. That's not what I'm saying. But he's got to put on a little bit of strategic weight because it wasn't merely that the punching power was a little bit diminished. 
it was that if you notice something in the takedown defense, it was he did it a few times. I'd never seen it from him. Um, for those who don't know, you've seen what you know. You guys know what an underhook is, right? So if someone hooks me under my arm, that's an underhook. Uh, if I hook over the top of that, that's called a whizzer. A whizzer is an overhook of an underhook. Yeah, that's what that is. So there were a couple of times where he was fighting the hand on one side. He was he was whizzering on the other side. And then I noticed from the wizzer side, he would heavily drop his hip against the fence to repel the takedown of Dustin Poirier. Why is that important? Because what that's telling me is that's a lot of technique, and he's also doing a little bit extra to drive his weight into it to push Poirier off so he can create separation or perhaps set up a strike. He didn't do that against Ricardo Lamas. He didn't really do that against Brian Ortega. He had to do that a couple of times, if not more, to Dustin Poirier. There's a bit of a strength issue for him here. I will say this, though. For his first fight at 155, pretty fucking good, man. Pretty good. Pretty good job, you know? You had to go fight a guy who, uh, you know, is a dog and, uh, and a very talented one at that. Um, okay, so you didn't win. but And there was a couple things you could point to that needed some help, but... Uh, pretty good performance, but if I could really pinpoint something, there might be a little bit more he can do about using his... I didn't think he did enough... Like, when you move to defend yourself, you can slip a punch, you can lean, right? You can circle away, uh, and, it, and and when you circle away, like, what's really important there? It's that you're using your feet to get away. I didn't think he was using his feet enough to get away until the later rounds when he really kind of had a sense of what shot selection Dustin typically was trying to throw and then how to evade. He took a lot of damage as a consequence. Those first two rounds, man, he took a lot of damage, Max Holloway did. So to me, it's like there's some rejiggering here. These guys at 155, bro, they can, they can, they can lower the boom on you, man. Dustin, Poir Dustin Poirier, you stand in front of him for even a little bit. He is going to lower the boom on you. Even if you're as talented as Max Holloway or Justin Gaethje or Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier will put these – son, he will make life very difficult for you, um, which you saw. So my point being is just the lean stuff or the slipping stuff, you got to be really good at that. Much, much better to be on your feet a little bit, on your bicycle. And he eventually did that, I think, third round on. It was a lot better of a performance in that regard, but it took him some time. It took him some time to get to that position. So um, – so yeah, so that's that's sort of the way I would read that one. I'm trying to think if there's anything about that fight, aside from my deep admiration for both men, that uh, I'm not thinking of right now. I don't know. I'll come back to it. if you guys have any questions. As again, if you guys have any questions, right there, that's the way we'll get to that. So, um, by the way, speaking of Dustin Poirier, this is totally an accident. My wife got these. I think did she get these in New Orleans. I think my wife got these in New Orleans. Of course, yes, it is the requisite beam and Coke Zero, the drink that you could, that rednecks make in their bathtub that I drink because I'm a connoisseur of the finer, <laughs> the finer things in life. Okay, let me think if there's anything else there. Uh, let's see if Fightmetric has any stats up. Let's see very quickly. Ooh, they might. Yes, they do. Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, okay, let's look at these. All right, so Max Holloway. 
Max Holloway landed 290 significant strikes in his fight with uh, Brian Ortega. In this one, he landed less, 181, except Dustin Poirier landed 178. That is the most he's ever landed in a UFC fight. He came close with Gaethje, 174, but he got 178 in this one. Holy mother of Jesus. 30 for Holloway in the first, 54 for Dustin. 32 for Holloway in the second, 31. That's a little closer. Max had a much better third round, 53 for him than 33 for Dustin. So it looks like it's kind of heating up his direction. And then again, in the in the fourth, Max Holloway, 42, then 34. And then it was closer, 24, 26. But again, those are just numerical totals. Those don't, those don't give you a qualitative sense of the power of the thunder that he was clapping with. Max Holloway targeted the head 77%, 21 to the body, zero to the leg. Uh, Dustin Poirier, 85 to the head, 10 to the body, three to the leg. And then again, both guys scoring 92% from distance. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, let me make sure that everything is good on the uh, – yes. Okay, very good. Uh, okay, so now let's get – if you can, if you're watching this, as uh, I appreciate everyone doing, again, subscribe, like the video, donate. We'll get to all those questions. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about that co-main event, shall we? Uh, all right, hang on. Let me center myself. That is one of the best fights I have ever seen. And I think you guys feel the same. Now, I know it's just after the fight. And all of us, including media guys like me who've been doing this for a while, we are all very prone after the fight to saying things that we have to walk back later. This could be one of those. I don't present to you this as the solidified opinion of a lifetime. I'm merely reacting in real time. You're here watching this with me. And so you must know that um, maybe I'll defend this forever, maybe I won't, but all I can do right now is tell you how I feel. And how I feel is I have so much admiration for Kelvin Gastelum. I already did, but I have so much admiration for Israel Adesanya. I already did, but right. Um, what an incredible fight. Let me start with Kelvin Gastelum because we'll talk about Israel Adesanya in a lot these coming days. I have so much respect for that performance from Kelvin Gastelum. What a well-schooled, researched performance from him. He wasn't, I mean, just think about this for a second. He wasn't intimidated. He wasn't bothered early and mid, and to, the, to an extent later, but certainly early and mid, by the trickery of Adesanya. He gave Adesanya, I feel very comfortable in saying this, he gave Adesanya everything he could handle. He showed he could hang with Adesanya in the striking department, and he pushed that fight to the brink. I know that it must hurt him right now to not have UFC gold wrapped around his waist, to have been so close to a fight with Robert Whitaker, and maybe you say, oh, he wouldn't beat Whitaker, but one never knows. Look at how good good his hand speed is look at how powerful his punches is are excuse me is it really insane to think he could have landed one of those and potentially won and have UFC gold around his waist even even just for one night even just for one contest it is not crazy to think that maybe perhaps unlikely but certainly not crazy and he didn't get the opportunity but I have to tell you when you watch a competitor like that to give everything they have 
to 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 and I and you guys know how I feel about Israel Adesanya. I think he's just the next generation of ability, the next generation of talent to push Adesanya like that and not really by wrestling him, not really by clinching with him, not really by dirty boxing with him. Yo, put your dukes up and let's figure this out and he put it on Adesanya for big parts of that fight dropping him. I don't know if he put him right on his rear end, but pretty close, right? I think uh, similar to what Nurmagomedov did to McGregor, like hurting him real nice. Um, I have total admiration for that. He very much exceeded my expectations. Not that I didn't think he could win. In fact, I I was very concerned for Adesanya's chances, but that I thought he would do it by mixing it up a little bit on the feet and then mixing in wrestling and everything else. And he didn't really need to in this one. He pushed Adesanya to the brink with his fights, his fighting ability in the stand-up department. Dude, Kelvin Gastelum's hand speed is amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. It takes my breath away thinking about it, man. Um, I was shocked watching it. And think about how much he, remember he dropped Weidman in the first round. He sat Adesanya down in the, I think it was the first round as well. Uh, incredible hand speed from him and the power he possesses and the way he was able to to understand the defensive choices of Adesanya. Adesanya, you know, we, we, we saw um, Till in the Masvidal fight doing a lot of leaning. You saw that from Adesanya this time, and you see it in every fight, but he was doing a lot of it this time. Again, rather than moving his feet as much, and Gastelum was making him pay for it. Just the, just the wherewithal with that, knowing how to counter it, being in the space, not being afraid to throw. Man, I know he probably has a heavy heart tonight. I know he probably is, you know, look, dealing with a loss in a very uncomfortable way. He, he always had my respect, but even in defeat, he earned another level of respect that I typically reserve for the people who, be, who emerge victorious. And, and uh, I know he didn't this time, but he's still very much in his 20s. He has a long time to get better. Dude, Kelvin Gastelum already is and is going to be a force to be reckoned with. You better take him seriously. And if you didn't before, and I know many of you probably like, I've always taken him seriously. Okay, fine. But for those like me who thought he was very, very good, but, you know, maybe couldn't beat like some of the guys like Adesanya. Dude, that guy, he on any given night, he can beat anybody in that division. Um, including Chris Weidman uh, and other good fighters as well. Kelvin Gastelum is amazing. I have, it comes from a great camp. They all did their homework. There's nothing better than seeing a young fighter who is like young men. I'm 39, so I no longer feel this way. But at 25, 26, 27, young men feel that they are invincible. They feel like they can tackle the world, that they can do anything. And uh, whatever setbacks there might be, that they're just never going to be enough to push them back. That's one reason why it's a young man's sport. We always talk about like, oh, well, uh, the inevitable athletic decline is the reason why fighting isn't a young man's sport. And that certainly is true. But another component is that young men are foolish. <laughs> they're foolish, man. And that works out to their benefit because when they're talented and locked in and well-schooled and well-trained and can't be told anything other than they're, that you know, the only acceptable path is victory. That is the only acceptable path. Dude, they can do incredible things. They can do incredible things. And you saw that tonight. I, I don't have a hat on, but I take off my proverbial hat 
to Kelvin Gastelum. He should absolutely hold his head up high. He should absolutely be paid millions of dollars for the kinds of performance he put or the kind of performance he put on tonight. He should absolutely have your admiration and he should absolutely not fall too far out from the front for another crack at that title because that dude is special and the performance he put on tonight is special. Now, with that being said, let us talk about the winner. Israel Adesanya. You guys know you guys know I've been sicing this dude to 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 borrow DC parlance for quite some time. Um that is one of the gutsiest championship level fifth round performances you're simply ever going to see. Dude, this is what they mean when they say, you know, it's funny. You ever see like these like uh, claims made by like some fucked up wrestling coach somewhere and they're always like, well, how bad do you want it? Who wants it more? That's who's going to win. And you're always like, okay, well, I mean, I might want it more than Jordan Burroughs, but I'm not going to beat him. I might want it more than Ben Askren, but I'm not going to beat him. And that's not what they mean. But what they basically mean is if two guys are more or less the same talent, there is a level of drive. There is a level of like how committed are you to this? Yo, I'm not committed to certain things like the way Israel Adesanya is committed to winning fifth rounds against Kelvin Gastelum. Dude, I am telling you, you don't know people like that. You don't, you don't know. that Your neighbors are not like this. You're, in, in, in all likelihood, your family's not like this. I don't mean this to be disparaging. My family's not like this. To want something in the way that Adesanya wanted it, because I had that fight even heading into the fifth. Again, relatively even. To want a contest like that, to have a burning, insatiable, inextinguishable need for something. To have your life and its future hinge upon that moment, and then to answer the call to violence in the way that he did. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. That, you, you will see this, you will see something like that a mere handful of times in your life. I've seen it before. They don't come around very often, folks. That is like a leap year. That is like a leap year. Because Gastelum, I thought for a couple of rounds, had his number, man. I thought, wow, dude, him and Rafael Cordero, they might have figured him out. They might have figured him out. And he said, fuck all that noise. And got out there and did just the right things to goad the right hand out of Gastelum and then to counter constantly. But dude, Gastelum had shut down all of his trickery. All of the question mark kicks leading into the right hands, what he loves to do. All of the right hands leading into a clinch. They worked a little bit later in the fight, but for, for 15, 20 minutes, they didn't. Uh, it was only really, truly. He had some He had some good moments, too, dropping Gastelum in that second round. But that third and fourth, man, those were back and forth rounds. It was in the fifth round where he just decided, I want this. <laughs> I want this more. I want this more. I want this more. I want this in ways that are essential to my existence. And he went out there and and let all the questions about Adesanya, okay, not all of them, let the vast majority of them be put to bed. 
put on your Sunday black, your your sunglasses, the whole nine, and say goodbye to them. Dude, that scramble where uh, he went for the guillotine and then tried to finish, and then Gastelum reversed, and then he went for the triangle, and then nearly had it, and then ended, ended up on top, and then the whole thing. By the way, Gastelum had a big part in that too, so let me not take it away from him. But, like, oh, well, you know, if you take Adesanya down, he's no good. What did he show you against a wrestler like Gastelum? He is pretty goddamn good. What did he show you about his guard? Guard retention and activity and using it to set everything up. What did he show you against a clinch? Separation. You couldn't hold that guy against the fence if your life fucking depended on it, man. You want to fight that guy? You got to do it out in the middle. Now, to Gastelum's credit, he did. Dude, I even even I was getting like into that fifth round. I was like, I don't know, man. Gastelum is it's tight. Gastelum is putting it on him here. This is I, I even tweeted it. Anyone's fight heading into the fifth. And for Adesanya to come out there and say, I'm the more skilled of the two. And I'm going to show it to you. Cardio challenges make cowards of men. Right? Because when you are tired, think about how when you're tired, what is it your brain is naturally telling you? Oh, I've got to stop this. i got to take the easy way out. These two guys, for the most part, put that away, and it was just Adesanya, a level above, just just a slight level above, deciding that I am not going to succumb to these kinds of pressures. I am going to exert influence over this matter. Um, and again, what I thought that the, the dominant weapon there was in pulling out the right hand of Gastelum, getting out of the way, and then countering it, finding it with one twos and two ones and then two threes. Those were the common common shot selections uh, and then just doing it over and over and over again you know goading Gastelum into these kinds of moments and Gastelum just couldn't play speed chess with him anymore but it took 20 22 23 minutes for that to happen just an unbelievable uh, moment between two of the best fighters in a weight class that you're just ever going to see and dude for fucking Adesanya 14 months six UFC fights UFC gold Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying that's as good as the first six fights that um, Anderson Silva had in his first six fights in the UFC, but you look at his, you look at St. Pierre's, you look at uh, McGregor's, you look at John Jones's, you can make any kind of comparison you want. Uh, McGregor's was good, but there was the time off for the ACL injury, so what do you want to say about that? John had the loss to Matt Hamill, the loss, but okay, it counts. Uh, St. Pierre, excuse me, lost to Matt Hughes, whatever. I'm not, you can you can rank them wherever you want. Dude, it's in the conversation. It's in the conversation. That's the level of talent we are talking about here. The dude hasn't lost a fight all the way to UFC gold. And don't give me this bullshit about, like, yeah, it's interim gold. All of us agreed if there was going to be any kind of justifiable moment for an interim title, it was the lightweight one and it was the middleweight one because I don't know what the fuck Habib's going to do, and he might end up finding Connor next anyway. Right, God only knows. And then Whitaker's been out forever. And the time that Whitaker's been out, Adesanya's got six wins, man, or five at least. If not, yeah. When was the last time Whitaker fought? Actually, now that I, now that it reminds me. Let's see. What was his last win? Oh Jesus! There's a Robert Whit Harding Whitaker who's a mathematician. <laughs> Hold on. There, fighter. Let me pick that guy. Uh, his last win was June of 2008. Okay, so he's fought since then. So five wins. Five wins by Israel Adesanya. 
in that time, five, all the way to UFC gold. Here is the first six fights of um, Robert Whitaker's UFC career. Beat Brad Scott, beat Colton Smith, lost to Court McGee, lost to Steven Thompson, beat Mike Rhodes, beat Clint Hester. How about that? Those are his first six. Look where Adesanya is. Dude's just getting started. Now, he was much younger. I think Whitaker is what? Uh, 28 still. Adesanya, I believe, is 29. So take that for what that is worth, dude. Take that for what – I mean, that, that that is you. Well, he is a very special fighter, y'all. He is a very, very special talent. When I say special, do I mean he's never going to lose? Dude, he could lose his next one. He's got to, he has to fight Robert Whitaker. However tough that was, it's only going to go up another level. Um, but that that display of skill, healthiness, lock, you know how hard it must be to fight six UFC fights and not get injured and then to remain focused and then to do all the media? Dude, like think about this. Israel Adesanya does a lot of media. You know, he does my show, he does Ariel's show, but dude, he does like everyone's show. He does all the smaller podcasts too, man. And he does bigger shows than ours as well. Like, he does big ass shows, man. And he does little ones too. All the way up and down. Never says no. Just da 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 all the way through. To do all of that locked in, traveling from you know, the other end of the earth, dealing with jet lag, and then coming here and doing that shit, bro. That's a very special guy. That's a very, very, very special human being, man. Answering that call about who wants it more. And not in some kind of dumbass high school wrestling coach. Let me see if I can make it all the way through practice before lunch kind of way. No, seriously. Right? We're ha- Remember that scene with the, what, what was it? Um, Heath Ledger playing the Joker in The Dark Knight. When uh, he beat up Michael uh, uh, Jai White, whatever the, his name is, the one who played Spawn. And he breaks the pool cue and he throws it to the leftover guys from his gang and he goes, we're having tryouts, right? In other words, like the only one who's going to, the only one who lives is the one who stays in the gang. And he takes the pool cue in half and throws two for three guys. But that's what that was. Who wanted it more? <laughs> uh, and Adesanya answered it, man. Wow. Wow. I mean... I, I'm in many ways, my job is to get out here and tell you how I feel and to, and to like consolidate these ideas into um, clear, observable opinions that you can either weigh as good or bad or as interesting. And in, in ways, it's I find that hard to do. Uh, by the way, we've just witnessed one of the at the end of one of the greatest unbeaten streaks in MMA history, the longest in UFC, WEC, Pride, and Strike Force uh, combined. Sixteen Anderson Silva. 16, Fedor, 15, Jose Aldo, 13, Max Holloway, 13, Demetrius Johnson, 13, John Jones, 13, George St. Pierre. Let me retweet that. That comes from my man, MJC, flip the script. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty goddamn amazing, if I do say so myself. All right, let's see where we're at on this one. Good Lord. Ooh, a lot of questions. Okay, great. Uh, again, if you have, um, if you want to, if you want to donate, that's how you get a question answered. And of course, you can just donate generally. 
and then subscribe to the channel. Please subscribe. Really trying to grow that. 100K is my goal here, or at least my first goal. I think it's very, very doable, but I need your help to get there. So I would really appreciate that if you do. And by the way, if you do, folks have asked me, like, oh, what are you going to do when you get to 100K? I'm going to launch a YouTube podcast. I'm going to launch a YouTube podcast. You can't quite see it, but I have a couch there, and I've built this room into a bit of a studio, although I might take this out, putting a TV right there. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot I'm going to do with that. So, but I need to get a, I need to get a enough of a user base to, to be able to justify that, um, as a consequence. So, and then, by the way, that would be put up on iTunes and be put up on, um, all the, you know, Spotify, all the places. So yes, it would be, a, it would be, an, it would be a podcast exclusive to the YouTube channel. Well, I guess if you put it on iTunes, it's not exclusive, but you get the idea. It would be here first, and then we'd pull the audio off and put it somewhere else. But it'd be shot in design for this. Um, and then more, more than that. That wouldn't be the end of it, but that would be a pretty big component. So that's what I'm trying to do. So please, like the video and subscribe. All right, before I get to your questions, let's go very quickly, if we can, through some of these other results. Uh, let's see. Khalil, let me refresh this. Khalil Roundtree defeating Eric Anders, 30-26 across the board. Easily, easily, easily the best uh, performance of Khalil Roundtree's maybe MMA career, but certainly UFC. He's had some wins in his MMA career, but uh, point being is this. Again, think about Dustin Poirier. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, this used to be a thing. Oh, Poirier's got bad cardio. Oh, Poirier doesn't have discipline in a fight. You don't hear that shit anymore, do you? Right? Because he just shut it all down. Uh, Khalil Roundtree in this, in this one, just great shot selection, great in-fight discipline, Great use of his ability. Great. Just a great job, man. Great job by Khalil Roundtree. Eric Anders had nothing for him tonight. Now, maybe in the future he might, but today, that was Khalil Roundtree. He couldn't be touched. Dwight Grant defeating Alan Joban split 29-28, 27-30, At first, I was like, okay, Joban's not – I tweeted about it. Joban's not cutting him off. I thought it might have been intentional. Uh, if you go back and you look on this YouTube channel, I interviewed – Anthony Pettis following the results of the um, Wonder Boy fight. And I asked him about that. And his answer was, yeah, I didn't cage cut on purpose. He wanted to drive into him. And I thought maybe that's what he was doing until I realized he can't touch him. So it can't be that. Because remember, Anthony Pettis, what did he do? Hands up, driving in. Like he just made, he just waded through punishment try to close that distance so that was a big component there uh nikita krilov defeating ovin st Prue, rear naked choke 230 of round two you know nikita krilov came in and i was giving him a hard time he was not a, and i'll be honest he was not a very good fighter when he joined the ufc but he got better and better and better and then he left the ufc i couldn't remember if he got released people were telling me but he didn't get released he didn't just sign with him he went somewhere else but he's back now uh, and he beats Ovin St. Pruvia rear naked choke in a bit of a back and forth contest but one where he just sort of showed his real development uh, the Ukrainian did well in this one, so I take my hat off to him. Matt Fr uh, Frivola defeating Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner, man, com contrast him with uh, Adesanya. Adesanya is very good about if he throws a strike, he doesn't try to – and at some point they're going to get double underhooks on you. But when he throws, he doesn't have his back against the fence or facing the fence. I mean, he might face the fence at all times, but uh, not in the warning track. He's not backed up against it. Jalen Turner would like try to set an angle on Matt Frivola and then end up having his back like almost like on my back against this chair. And Frivola would just spin into him and get the takedown. And I'd be like, dude, that is not you gotta like understand the the, the shot selections you can make in the space that you're in. 
And then there was times where he was like trying to like, okay, if if I if you shoot on me and I sprawl and you've got your left arm up on me, so it's around my right hip, right? If I want to circle to your back, I gotta beat that arm before I can circle to the back. You could see him actually stand and then not stand, but like get on his toes and try to circle without beating the arm. Like it doesn't it doesn't make even an attempt to beat the arm. So to me, there's like some scramble issues there as well, and some like how to how to move through these positions. He had a good sprawl. Jalen Turner had a very good sprawl, but you got to marry like what makes Adesanya so dangerous. Even if you get an, an underhook or a double unders on him, he's good about pummeling in, getting his hips to the side of the fence, spreading his base, and then pulling on the side of your head and then whipping you around and then exiting. You saw him do it a couple of times. Uh, you just can't keep them along the fence for long. Some of these guys who don't have those skills, you can keep them along the fence for a long time, and then eventually you're just wrestling with them, and they're going to make a big mistake. So that was a bit of a problem. Uh, Alexandre uh, Pantoja defeating Wilson Hayes, 258 of round one. Nice win by him. Max Griffin defeating Zilim Imadiev, 29-27, 29-27, 28-28. So it was a majority decision. Uh, the referee took a point for grabbing the fence. Good. No issue with it. Happy to see it. Khalid Taha. With the Lebanese flag. You don't see the Lebanese flag? I can't even tell. No, you can't. Um, defeating Boston Salmon. Boston Salmon, 25 seconds in, was bitter about the stoppage, but the stoppage was clean. Or at least defensible, right? The referee has to make a call based on the available information. And the information can change in the intervening moments, but... That's not his fault. Uh, Bilal Muhammad defeating Curtis Millinder. Curtis Millinder, man, what a tough run for him. He had a fight that didn't go his way against Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos after beating C.R. Bahadur Azada back in March. Oh, he beat or he lost to um, Dos Santos in March. Wanted to get this one back and then fought in April. So back-to-back within a month, lost two UFC fights pretty handily. And a lot of it being done as a consequence of wrestling. He really... Millinder has come a long way. He's a much improved fighter, but that has got to get better. He's such a good striker, and he's so talented and athletic. But if you're just going to lose this because these guys are wrestling you, then I'm not sure what the point is, man. Uh, Montel Jackson just running through Andre Sukumtot, 30-26, 30-27, 29-27. Pauliano Batelio defeating Lauren uh, Muller, or Mueller, 29-28 across the board. And then Brandon Davis defeating Randy Costa. At uh, one twelve of the second round, Randy Costa having this like you know, both these guys are switching stances, but they were both doing like their best work clearly from orthodox, which was kind of weird. But um, okay, uh, let me see. By the way, did I, if I got any information about uh, you guys, might already have it, but I need to check my email if I have any like bonus winner information. Yes, okay. So here is your information uh, from the UFC attendance: fourteen thousand two hundred ninety-seven. Pretty good. Gate one point or one million nine hundred eight thousand seven hundred and twenty one, fight of the night Holloway and Poirier and then Gastelum and Adesanya. Yeah, pretty simple on this one. Some great fights on the rest of the card, but th- that main and that co-main, buddy, they don't come like that very often, do they? No, they do not. They really, really do not. All right, let's get to some of your questions if we can. Uh, I always appreciate that when you do. Uh, if you can, if you just leave a donation and that's all you got to do, that's, that's cool. I appreciate it. But if you got any questions, one more time here. Nope. Fucking it. Here we go. Donate in the super chat. All right. All right. Let's do this. Okay. 
Ian Wang or Wong says thank you. Thank you, Ian. Uh, David Bergen says thanks for staying up late to talk about the card. Uh, Blaine Bowman says, can Max compete at 155? Yes. Understand what happened here. He fought a guy who could end up beating Habib. Now, a lot of you might be saying this, oh, he can't beat Habib because no one's beating Habib. Fair enough. Again, do I need to, like, put up my how much I love Habib bona fides on this one? Like, y'all all know I think Habib is amazing. Not my point. My point is um, I do think that there was some real physicality issues that maybe they were the worst against Dustin Poirier, but they will be re-exposed. Not exposed is a strong word. Yeah, they'll be re-exposed if he doesn't do something to uh, acclimate to the weight class. It's one thing to cut le- less weight. It's another thing to say, what is the best way, what is what is my best body composition for this weight class? So think about it. If you're cutting less weight, you're saying, what's my best body composition in terms of my overall health? He achieved that, and that will carry some benefits athletically. That is not the same as saying, what do I need to be at to really maximize the opportunity in this weight class? Um, and so to me, I think that's got to be something there. Now, you don't want to sacrifice speed. You don't want to sacrifice cardio. There's the right way and a wrong way to do it. And by the way, that's going to be a slow acclimation. To just jump up a weight class, it's hard. It's hard to do. Um, but that's – can he compete at 155? Yes. Do I think his title days are even done at 155? No. No, it's just he ran into a buzzsaw tonight. But even then, even running into a buzzsaw, he was pretty goddamn competitive. So, no. Uh, Shane's Life says, I don't think Israel beats Whitaker or Romero. He might not. He might not. We'll have to see. First of all, can Romero make weight? Number one. And number two, can he beat Whitaker? I don't know. This, I don't know. But I know that's going to be a huge fight in that region of the world, man. Congrats to every Kiwi or Aussie fan out there because y'all just earned yourselves a main event. That is going to be a, a phenomenal contest. A phenomenal contest. My only hope is that um, Adesanya gets some time off. Fuck, man. 14 months, six UFC fights. <laughs> Culminating in that shit, he needs some time off. He needs some time off, for sure. Um, but, is, can he, look, can he beat those guys? I don't know, man. First of all, I didn't think Whitaker beat Romero the second time, but to your point, like those are some tough bastards. Luke Button says, you are the man, get rest, and screw the haters. I'll just bang their mothers instead. Uh, Jonathan Farley says, big thank you for the best MMA shows. Thank you. Uh, someone says, uh, Matthew Defer, Defer, says, how does Eric Anders' leg feel right now? Probably terrible. He might be on crutches on the airport tomorrow. I've seen that before, by the way. I've like flown in to cover a fight, and someone got like their leg chewed up. And then I'm in line with him at TSA the next day. That's happened before. That's awkward as shit. And they're like, you know, they got the, they always had the sunglasses on, which you can well expect. But, uh, but then they're on crutches. I've seen that. I won't say who, but I've seen that. I've seen that. Uh, <laughs> Marco says, Gabby versus Marissa, who wins? That's an inside joke from the radio show. Uh, can you use the money from tonight's chat to get Barbas a new chew toy? I just got that fucker a new chew toy today. He might be around. Barbas? Barbas? Nah. All right. What do you think will be the key for Dustin to beat Habib? I feel like Israel... Okay, let's start with that one. 
obviously it's going to involve takedown defense, right? If you can't stop the takedown enough to do damage on the feet, then it won't simply matter. Subbing Habib Nurmagomedov seems possible only in a world where he is substantively hurt. But like straight up grappling in MMA, trying to sub him, not saying it's not possible, just seems unlikely. So you got to really put some damage on him. Uh, so got to be takedown defense, got to be working behind the jab, got to be setting angles, got to be getting out of the way. I think Nurmagomedov is a lot faster, by the way, than folks realize. And then like this sort of relentless chasing into you all the time that that does prove to be pretty effective so uh, that's going to be that's going to be just utterly essential uh, someone says i feel like israel is now the john jones of middleweight minus the pictograms lol awesome event um maybe john got pushed by gustafson in that way let's see what kind of growth that israel has from here but for the first six fights pretty fucking good man Pretty fucking good. Andrew Voda says, you're the man, Luke. Thanks for doing these. Well, thank you, Andrew. Someone says, Luke, even if you get preachy about PDAs, I think you mean PEDs. Uh, seen any films you could roast now? Oh, God. What Netflix movie did I see the other day that was spectral? Terrible. Um, yeah, was there any Netflix movie I saw? That? All these Netflix movies are so bad. Um, oh, what was the other one? With the assassins all killing each other? The guy goes to Montana. Forget. Terrible. Gory. Here's a good movie that you can catch on Netflix. It's a Korean movie. Train, um, I think it's called The Train to Busan. Very good. Zombie movie. Do you think Tony gets the winner of Habib and Dustin? Well, the UFC got a bit of a break here, right? Because Dustin already fought Habib. Sorry, Connor. Habib already fought Connor. So no matter who wins, if they fight Connor, it's a bit of a rematch. Connor has the win over Dustin, so they're sitting pretty in a lot of different ways. They got a lot of different options here. Um, I, I don't know. Oh, God, everyone's like, "Oh, well, the interim title guy is going to get the winner for uh, the, the the title holder first. Y'all sure about that? I mean, probably is the answer. I would. That's the way I would lean. But in a world where Conor McGregor just calls his shots, are y'all really sure about that? Are y'all really confident about that? Because I definitely am not. Um, so. Where does Tony fit in? I don't know. I don't know. He was texting me this weekend a little bit. He got a, he got a dog. I won't put up the thing because it will show his number. But, yeah, Tony texted me yesterday. Actually, y'all, you know what? Let me make sure you can't see here. Yeah, you can't see his number. But he, uh, let's see, he texted me. I think he got a dog. Look at that. Pretty cool, right? So, we'll see. Uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, do you think the size and strength difference of Dustin played a big part in the fight? Yeah, pretty clearly. He seemed much more powerful. Great content. You're the best. Thank you. Yeah. Size, yes, but the strength, God, huge, huge. Again, not merely in this, but in the tie-ups as well. What future, if any, do you see for Max at 155? I would not write him off at 155 at all. Adjustments need to be made, but that's it. Uh, someone says, no one deserves it more than Dustin, man. 95% didn't give him a chance. Couldn't be happier for him. Fan base is so toxic post-fight already on Max. Yeah, not me. 
Someone has a very nice message to say, wow, they left a ton of money, 50 bucks. Um, thank you very much. We'll talk about the pay-per-view model here in a minute. Someone says, I had many friends who aren't that old and had no idea how to order the pay-per-view and they wanted to badly. So sad because my friends are tech-savvy enough, to, but a paywall behind a paywall is unfortunately going to screw over the fighters big. Sad for them. I agree. Stop calling us donks. It's not an insult. Khalil will beat Jones. That's ambitious. Uh, the moment of the fight in the co-main is when Gastelum went for the takedown instead of the finish when he had Adesanya badly hurt. Yes, I remember that. Good call. Good call. That is, I agree with that. That's a very good, smart observation. Uh, will you come down under for Whitaker Stylebender? I'll help pay for the flight. You know what? You donks leave enough in the chat, and I just might. I honestly just might. I've never been to Australia. I've been really wanting to go. Uh, I don't know if I could justify it, but I would love to go. Someone says, huge fans from Canada. Uh, Habib versus Poirier, who wins? Um, who wins? Probably going to lean Habib because Poirier's got good takedown defense, but I don't know if anybody can beat Habib, but I can't wait to see it, and he's absolutely earned the opportunity. Um, who do you think would win in a fight between Benil Dariush and John McDessey? Um, probably Dariush. Stylebender answered a lot of questions I had. How do you rate his chances against Bobby Knuckles, and if he wins, how big of a star can he become? Let's see what kind of... Le I want to hear what he has to say post-fight about this, or if he went to the hospital. Like, what lessons did he learn from this? To me, that like, again, I've, I've said so many nice things about what he did in that post-fight, but um, the, a lot of leaning. A lot of leaning. I wonder if Knuckles, who likes to drive through a lot of times and blitz... That would be a bad. That would be a bad thing for Stylebender. So, but but when he's on his feet, he's so quick. So I want to hear what he has to say about this. Uh, let's see. Do you think Askren and Habab will ever fight? This person writes probably not. Will Dustin have to fight again before he gets a shot at Habib in September? He might. He might. Man, this whole thing about the interim title. It's like I respect. Um, both guys who won because they got it in a way that is legitimate because of the state the state of the uh, champions. However, how the UFC proceeds from here, your guess is as good as mine. Will Dustin have to fight again before he gets a shot? Blah, 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 blah. All right. Um, and then someone said, dude, someone left $100. Jesus Christ. Been listening to your stuff for years. No question. Just thank you. Best in the games from L.P. O'Sullivan. Well, thank you, sir I, or lady, whoever that is. Um I can't thank you enough. Oh, uh, movies. Someone says, did you watch Tri Triple Frontier? So that's a movie on Netflix. Let me tell you the truth about Triple Frontier. So people were like, oh, that movie Bright on Netflix is really good. Bright is only good if you're brain damaged. It's truly a terrible movie. Like, it's not. It's really bad. Like, there's no possible way to watch it and be like, wow, it's really great. Unless someone hits you in the head with a hammer. Triple Frontier is definitely better than that. As far as a Netflix original, it's pretty good. In fact, it was shot, there were scenes of it in Colombia. Um, and so you can hear, for example, here's how you know. Well, first of all, you can hear the accents. They're Colombian. And um, there's other ports, too, where they're infiltrating this house. And then they're watching soccer on the TV. And it's James Rodriguez playing for the national team, I believe. I don't think it was Real Madrid or Bayern. But I think it was the national team. So it's like supposed to be taking place in Colombia. And then parts of it are in Brazil as well. But... Um, the Spanish speakers are Colombian for the most part. There's Colombian actors in it. But uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. 
It's better. It's better than Bright. Don't misunderstand me. Probably worth watching if you got to kill some time. But I wouldn't be like, wow, it's a great movie because it's not a great movie. But it's definitely, it's definitely like a, for a Netflix original, pretty good. Is what I would say. All right. Um, what do we have here? Do we subscribe? Do we donate in the super chat? Do we do all that kind of stuff? Did you enjoy? Oh, last thing about you, uh, ESPN Plus, and then we'll probably call this a day. This bit where you have to go to your browser to like log in, buy it, and then you can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your tablet. You can watch it on all that shit, dude. That thing is played out. That thing is super played out. That is that is. People are like, oh, they can't put it on YouTube or Apple TV because they'll get a cut. All right, fine. You need to find a way to have in-app purchases because this this thing where you go and you watch or you have to buy on your browser is bullshit. You have to meet people where they are. And can I just say this to anyone from ESPN who might be watching this? Dude, y'all, ladies, gents, the ESPN Plus interface is dog shit. And I'm not mincing words at all here. It's not even a fraction as good as YouTube, which, okay, is fine. Google's had a lot of time to figure out their interface. It's not even nearly as good as UFC Fight Pass. It's terrible. It's hard to pause fights and then go back. It's hard to rewind. It's so bad. You can't rewind the 15 seconds. They'll go ahead 15 seconds. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Please, ESPN Plus, you want us to go all in on you guys, and I bought the pay-per-view tonight. You must do better than this. You you have to do better than this. That was so terrible, it's hard to overstate. Please, dear God, that is unbelievable. you got to have in-app purchases, and the ESPN Plus interface is in desperate need of updating. If the private uh, service that the UFC owns is like miles ahead of yours, you got real hard questions you better start asking yourself. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So uh, last thing I'd say, if you have any questions, email me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. I would love to hear any additional feedback you guys might have about the fights, about tonight's show, the whole bit. Uh, MMA Hour is going to be on Monday. We'll have Luke Rockhold on. We'll have probably Macy Barber and then probably some winners from tonight. So that should be a lot of fun as well. So tune into that MMA fighting on noon on Monday, and uh, yeah, great night of fights, man. Great, great night of fights. Thank you guys so much for watching. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and a whole lot more. And until next time, get some sleep.